0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Vaibhav Shetty Experience, episode three of Beyond the Gloves. And with uh, Ad Singh, founder of Cross Train Fight Club, a uh, 10-time National Jiu-Jitsu champion, and the person who's going to lead the Indian contingent to the Asian Games in China. Welcome to the show, Siddharth. Hi, Babu. How are you doing, man? I am doing good. How are you?
1: Yeah, very good. Just uh, tired from all the uh-huh. training, but uh, exhausted, but all good.
0: No days for off for you, I'm assuming. No days off. Today, by default,
1: uh, I'm going late for training because we're doing this. But otherwise, I would already be training today.
0: Oh, man. I'm really sorry to you know eat up on your uh, training time. I know you train very all, hard.
1: Yeah. No, no. I needed, I needed uh, some rest time today. So I'm glad this is
0: happening. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on this show. And, uh, you know, I just need to say, uh, I don't know if you've been following with the Shetty experience, but I typically have two parts of this. One is beyond the gloves, which was meant for the athletes. And one was the inside scoop meant for the people behind the scene, the coaches, the promoters, and, you know, the global body presidents, etc. And for you, right, I kept, you know, uh, figuring out where do I put you? But given the events of the last couple of weeks, right, you won the national title for the record 10th time. That is insane. 10 years ago, most people in India did not even know what jiu-jitsu was, I believe. And you were there in the fray competing. How does it feel? Yeah, it's, it's changed a lot.
1: Um, you know, uh, 10 years ago, when actually 11 years ago, we started cross Fight Club. I came back from the UK uh, to start this. MMA thing, which nobody at the time knew what MMA was in 2012. Um, Yeah. I would talk about MMA so passionately and they would just make karate gestures and say, Oh, you're doing Kung Fu karate (laughs) and uh, yeah. And you know, fast forward five years, I think Ronda Rousey is the one who kind of uh, started to bring us uh, mainstream. People try to then say, Oh, it's, it's what Brock Lesnar does or Ronda Rousey does started to get a bit more popular in like 16, 17 Uh, Mm -hmm. and then obviously McGregor came and he took it uh, fourth. So, yeah, man, I've been competing since I think 2014 was my first tournament Mm -hmm. and uh, it Mm -hmm. really came out from the necessity of I wanted our team to compete and uh, people just didn't believe in themselves. Like because 2012, 13, again, there were a lot of these uh, fake uh, martial art dojos that were around. And uh, how would, and if there is a genuine school which comes up amongst a group of frauds, then how do you really stand out from the frauds? Well, you go compete. You put it on right. the mat and, uh, you know, nobody, people can, you know, if you don't compete, people can say, oh, he's probably, he's, he's a fraud, he's a fake. But if you're going out there, if you're competing, if you're winning, this, they can't say that anymore. So that was the reason why I went on and started competing in the nationals. Hmm. Um, you know, that's how it first started off. That, oh, knuckly hair crossed in is fake. I <laughs> tried winning stuff. Then they tried to say, oh, only wins in India. You know, they can't win abroad. So I started going right. abroad and winning abroad. So that's how it's kind of started off. It was really to just, you know, let people know, let Indians know that, you know, we have genuine fighters and uh, authentic athletes, homegrown. That's how it started yeah. off, man.
0: Perfect. So yeah, I think you know it's it's very interesting you brought this up because you know this is something even I faced when I was you know uh, start you know starting MMA, and I started quite late in my life. I believe you did as well. You had a corporate career before this. Uh, you were were you an investment banker back in London? No man.
1: Um, so I used to work for a brand management company. Got uh, It's okay. a company uh-huh. called Pentland Brands. So uh-huh. they owned around uh, twenty five different brands in sports, lifestyle, and fashion. So, right. so, they owned, uh, like I think I'm wearing right now, I'm wearing a Lacoste shirt. So, Lacoste uh-huh. was owned by uh-huh. them. Uh, they owned uh, Ted Baker, they owned a bunch of brands, Kangaroos, Kickers, Speedo, the swimming brand. So, they owned right. a bunch of them and they hired me straight after, after my master's degree in economics. I was doing my master's in economics from Scotland and they mm-hmm. hired me straight mm-hmm. from college uh, on their graduate program and I worked for them for five years. Uh, I was heading their international business development for an uh, Italian brand. Uh, mm-hmm. LS in Europe, Middle East, Africa. So I was working with them for five years. And uh, and yeah, I was... I started off with boxing pretty early, actually. I started boxing when I was 12 years old. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. A, uh, so I went to boarding school in Dehradun, called the Doon School. Uh-huh. And uh, there, uh-huh. boxing was a sport. And I, I kind of got thrown into it because my brother was a boxer. And none of my batchmates wanted to box. Who wants mm-hmm. to box at the age of 12, man? So... Right. Um, so yeah, I was thrust into it, tried boxing at 12, uh, then I did my economics honours from Delhi, couldn't find boxing anywhere back when I mm. was in college, and then again in the UK, I tried to find boxing, couldn't find it, but one of my friends said, oh, there's this uh, Thai boxing place, check it out. I mm. thought, Oh, well, it's going to be like boxing, Thai, what's the difference? And I went in. <laughs> I found out very quickly it's very different. You uh, start getting kicked in the face, it's, right. <laughs> it's very different.
0: <laughs> oh, that's insane. So, okay, and, and, and how did Jiu-Jitsu Jiu- come in? Did you start training Jiu-Jitsu back in uh, London as well? or?
1: Yeah, so it? in my uh-huh. Muay uh, Thai school,
0: uh-huh. they
1: organized a uh, Jiu-Jitsu seminar. And okay. uh, by that point, I think I was uh, 23, 24, I'd been boxing for 12, 13 years, Muay Thai for like 6 years. So they right. called me for the Jiu-Jitsu yeah. thing and I had watched some UFC but uh, didn't really know Jiu-Jitsu. So I went in for a mm-hmm. seminar, I saw, I reached a little late. I saw people mm-hmm. crawling on the ground and I was like, okay, I'm going to sit this one out. It's not something <laughs> that I want to do. Um, and then when my coach was like, listen, uh, you know, they understand. Mm-hmm. They were like, okay, I know you don't want to do it, but there's this girl there. She doesn't have a partner. You don't have to pay for the seminar, uh, but you can just help her out. You know, just mm-hmm. she needs a partner. So I just went in, just trying to help her. And right. uh, yeah, I rolled with her. And then, uh, didn't I do Drilled with her technique. And then uh, later on, the coach said, okay, now you can, you guys can roll. And she's tiny, like, she's a small chick. She was, like, 40 kilos, 45 kilos max from Iran. Right. And she's a blue belt. Oh,
0: wow. And, yeah, right? the role
1: started. And uh, I was, like, uh, the training was so long, so much bigger than her. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, bro, literally, like, in uh, 15 seconds, she mm-hmm. choked me unconscious. I woke <laughs> up looking at the ceiling, uh, complete blackout. So, I was, like, what the hell happened? I was, I was like, I just She said, yeah, you just came in. I got your neck and I, you know, guillotined you. High elbow guillotine. I was like, Mm -hmm. damn. And then I told her, okay, let's go again. This time I'll go a little harder. And Mm I went 150%. Like, I'm not going (laughs) to lie. I went in in for the kill. You know, the male Uh ego was hurt. So, I went in and uh, I woke up 10 seconds later, again, looking at the ceiling completely out. (laughs) Uh, So, I asked her, like, what happened? And then she was like, you came in. I arm-dried you. I took your back. I took your back and choked you unconscious." You didn't tap, put you out. So <laughs> that's that was, my, that was my first class in through where this small girl from Iran choked me unconscious twice, and mm-hmm. I realized, man, she's 40, I'm 70, 30 kilos weight difference, and right. uh, she's putting me out so easily. Man, mm-hmm. if I learn this, I can put out 100 kilo people, you know, essentially. Right. And I wasn't mm-hmm. a guy off the street. I'd been training, I'd been competing in boxing and Muay Thai, and she was mm-hmm. putting me out easy. So right. that was kind of my motivation. And then, uh, you know, I also tried to see it from an Indian perspective. I, I was thinking that, you know, a lot of women get attacked all the mm-hmm. time in India. So I just thought right. that if, if Indian women can learn this, it's so strong. Like anyone mm-hmm. attacks them on the street, mm-hmm. they can triangle them and armbar them. And just, you know, that's what I was thinking. Uh, right. So that's how I started off with Jitsu.
0: Oh, that is awesome! That is awesome. Thank you for sharing the story. I mean, that that is something you don't experience unless you get onto the mat with somebody yeah. so much lighter than you, but so much more capable. And that's an eye opener, to be honest. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm glad you got to experience that. And you know, because of that, we are where we are, where you are leading one of the best combat, you know, schools in India. Uh, and yeah, for people who don't know this, uh, Anshul jubilee trains with you, right? And you led him to the UFC. Uh, I believe he has a contract now with the UFC for multiple fights. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, so, so he... Uh, the sto- the story of Anshul is he came to us in 2018 mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. he came in at a great time because that time our gym was full of killers. Like, that's the time when we were at the peak of our jiu-jitsu. Now, it's more of an MMA place, but back then it was mm-hmm. it's like hardcore jiu-jitsu academy. We had like 40 national champions on the mat at, at one point. Uh, right. So he came in mm-hmm. and somebody came, uh, Punya Likharu came to me actually, I remember. He came to mm-hmm. me, he was one of our top mm-hmm. fighters from India. Uh, and he came and he's like, Coach, there's this one guy and he seems to say that he's never trained before. But he's really good. I think he's sandbagging. And so people who don't know what sandbagging is, uh, people who know Jitsu or know a martial art, they come into a new club and they say, to kuch aata nahi. I don't know anything, I don't know anything. That's right. sandbagging. Uh, mm-hmm. So Punya was convinced that this Anshul Jubli guy was sandbagging. He had trained before. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I spoke to I saw him rolling. He really had... He, he was good. He had his... You know, he didn't know the fundamentals, but he was moving mm-hmm. the right way. So, That's I spoke great. to him after the class. He said, Coach, I've never trained before. I've had amateur fights. I've won four amateur fights. But mainly mm-hmm. because of mm-hmm. looking at YouTube fights. I learned stuff from YouTube. And I've never really had formal training. Mm-hmm. And I believed him. And then, uh, and yeah, seeing him progress uh, through Jiu-Jitsu, he had a great group to start with. A uh, bunch of our blue belts helped him out, and yeah, he grew. I mean, improved so much. National talent, but he was really hungry, really passionate, and yeah, look at him now. Like he's he's the face doing in <laughs> MMA. He's uh, right. he won the road to the UFC tournament at lightweight, uh, killing it. Yeah, he's got a you know he's got a full contract with the UFC. So I mean,
0: awesome. Right. <laughs> that is that is great. And yeah, t- talking about your club, and you said you have. Multiple national champions. I remember the sports Jiu-Jitsu India Federation, they had the Asian Open at the Talcatra Stadium out there. And I was competing back then, you know. I competed in the uh, I believe the 84 kg and the open weight. I reached the finals of all four, you know, Gi and no Gi. I lost three of them, all three, against Cross-Train Fight Club. And the one final, one final where a Cross-Train Fight Club was not present, I won that one. So, yeah. It, it it was insane seeing the quality of guys you put on the on the mats, and I believe you guys won the best team in that uh, tournament as well.
1: Yeah, we won the best gi team and the best overall team. Uh, we right. came second in nogi, uh, primarily because they did gi first, <laughs> and then once you finished gi, wait and absolute. Then same guys had to go after lunch doing nogi. Right. Uh, yeah. so a lot of the people just pulled out. We are too tired. We've six fought six times. We're not competing. <laughs> um, right. Because and then nogi guys, a lot of nogi guys just do nogi. They don't do gi. Uh, yeah, that was. Yeah. they should have done it on multiple days I think we could have done better in Nogi but right. uh, but yeah I'm not complaining yeah we won the Asian Championship and you know thank you for saying uh, because of the grassroots level I think our guys have been putting in the effort uh, mm-hmm. without much recognition because nobody cares like nobody cares if you win these yeah. tournaments in Tal Kodura Stadium or whatever but it's still a lot of for the people competing it's a big it's a big deal a lot of them right. are competing for the first time mm-hmm. and and uh, and yeah, it's it's grassroots. It's what you know, because the sport is just starting. I think all those wins and all those championships—they mean a lot.
0: Right. And you know, how does your family feel about this? Because I know Indian families are not big on the, you know their children getting into sports. And you know, when you started, it would have been even more so. How was your family with this entire you know? Journey? Yeah, you
1: went you went deep there with that question. <laughs> um, painful question. Yeah, because because uh, a lot of the fighters today. You know, 18, 19-year-old, they're getting into it. They can look at Anshul and they can say, okay, maybe maybe there's a path for me now to the UFC. When I came back, I had a few things not going for me. Number one, I had a full-time job in the UK. Mm -hmm. So, I had to leave that job. And, uh, you know, I had a master's degree in economics. And my uh, university had offered me, you know, if you ever want to come back and do a PhD, we are here for you. So, I had a bunch of options. You know, MBA was another option. I had a bunch of options on the plate and to mm-hmm. chuck all of that and to leave that life in the uk to come back to india to start a sport which nobody knew uh, right. that was a really yeah. difficult uh, decision and my parents you know they were they were not very pushy but i could tell that they weren't very pleased with uh, with the decision because again who wants their child to struggle you know who wants right.
0: uh,
1: wants them to leave a stable job and come back and struggle uh, so no they didn't want that But I was just really passionate about uh, starting this. Because every time I would come back home uh, on holidays to Delhi, I would never find a good place to train. You know, there Mm -hmm. there would always be these karate places that were claiming to teach MMA. And I remember there was one story which kind of was a catalyst where me, my brother, my sister-in-law, they'd just recently been married. They were very excited about MMA because I was always telling them about it. And I was in Delhi and I asked them, oh, let's go train, you know, we were in East of Kailash. We said, let's go work out. Let's go find an MMA place. So I googled this place, it was like five kilometers from my brother's place. We went there and it was a terrible experience. Uh, mm. The coach didn't know what he was teaching. He was, you know, not, not behaving like a coach. He was behaving more like a dictator. He mm. ended up getting into a fight with me in the middle of the class because I was trying <laughs> to tell my brother how to kick. Mm. I'm not even like, I'm st- on the side. You know, class is not going on, class, like, he's told everyone do push-ups and sit-ups and whatever, and he's having chai. And I'm, right. so my brother can't kick, he's also from a boxing background, never kicked before. Mm. So I was just showing you on the side, I think if you if you step out and you turn the hips, you'll get a better kick. Now this coach decides to take it personally that, you know, I don't know what. <laughs> and he gets into a fight with me. Uh, it was a terrible experience and my sister-in-law just walked out saying like, what is this nonsense? Like, this is terrible. Right. Uh, and then she was kind of the person who said, listen, you should start this because these guys, are just gonna kill your sport, uh, at least in Delhi. So that also right. was kind of the motivation. I was like, okay, if no one's gonna do it, and the scene's so bad, uh, I right. might as well come and do it. So yeah, that's how it kind of started.
0: Oh, well, that that is awesome. And uh, one of the things you know I have faced, growing, you know, when I started MMA and Jiu-Jitsu was, you know, something I got into because I kept getting taken down because India has really good wrestlers. But once on the ground, they have no idea what to do. Or they had no idea what to do. I think now the scene is different. And I realized even if I knew the fundamentals of ju- 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 uh, Jiu-Jitsu, it helped a lot. And I would go in and obviously we were training mainly no Gi. And when I was wearing a Gi, I was wearing a white belt. And people come up to say, you know, my brother is a black belt hai. You know, yeah. <laughs> and you know, that that mentality is there. Because every Tom, Dick, and Harry out there has a black belt in karate. And then they see Jiu-Jitsu guys struggling for years to go from white to blue. And blue to you know purple etc. Uh, it's 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 a very different sport and I you know, the good thing about India is we have not del- we do not have McDojos giving out belts at least you know for for most part so jiu jitsu is you know it's, it's very structured and it's very difficult to prom- get promoted. But did you face this kind of issues comments from your students from parents from the students parents saying you know my son has been training for so long why is he still a white or a blue belt?
1: So many times, I still get it. People still come to join the club. And they're like, "How long before he gets his black belt in Jiu-Jitsu?" And I said, "I still haven't got it." So once I get it, I can tell you about it because I haven't got it yet. But uh, but yeah, to come to come back to your point, there are uh, so okay. Which so is Jiu-Jitsu grading. I think you gotta segregate two. I've always segregated two different uh, genres. One is uh, lifestyle. So a lot of people yeah, right. do Jiu-Jitsu for their lifestyle, for fitness, for health. That's a separate separate criteria, and there's a competition uh, belt as well, which is completely right. different. I, I think you've got to segregate the, them into two different categories. Um, mm-hmm. So, McDojo scene, I think, comes in if if that lifestyle element gets out of hand. You know, right. uh, if, if, it, if there's an academy and they don't train or they don't roll hard, but they're giving belts based on, uh, you know, attendance and stuff, then yeah, that's an issue. Uh, we've had a few instances uh, in India, but they've been called out pretty quickly, you know, because because everybody who's actually worked hard and got a belt doesn't Mm -hmm. want the sport to, uh, you know, go the karate Uh, route. But having said that, I think as the sport grows, it will become more and more common because again, you know, a lot of the instructors, they want to keep their dojos open and, uh, you know, they have to kind of grade the students so that the students don't leave and go somewhere else. I've had instances where students have left like cross train is infamous for not giving belts
0: right
1: um you know we oh, fuck. i mean five years for a blue belt is generally an average at cross training you train for five years one of our students mm-hmm. jay he just got his blue belt five years mm-hmm. of training man he mm-hmm. he could have just gone anywhere else three years ago and got a blue belt you know but he stuck right. on um and we've had a lot of students who who stopped training with us went somewhere else and got promoted um, right. so it's always going to be an issue as the sport grows more Higher belts are there. They're going to promote people more quickly. And I think right. the reason why we have we don't have more black belts is I think quite a few. And I'm going to not say it just because I'm here. Mm-hmm. A lot of people privately have messaged me and asked me when am I getting my black belt? Because mm-hmm. once I get it, I think then they can safely go out and get it themselves. Uh, but <laughs> right now, I feel if, if they get it, they're going mm-hmm. to get called out. Right. So, my me holding on to brown <laughs> is definitely holding back a lot of people. I'm telling you, the day I get my black, you'll see mm-hmm. five, six other guys getting getting their blacks as well. Very soon.
0: <laughs> right. Oh, that, that, is, that is awesome. Yeah, And, you know, in, in a way, I love it that the Indian uh, scene holds people accountable. And people just can't go out and declare, you know, I'm the best and I have a black belt. Uh, because if we do, right, uh, it, it's going to be horrible for the sport. And, you know, I'm out here in the US and uh, there is a Gracie Barra in every neighborhood. And I found nearest Gracie Barra to try and train out there. And I gave them a bit of a background. And their email reply to me is, we do not really compete. We may not be the right gym for you. So, yeah. Back in India, I don't think any people who... Anybody, any gym which trained Jiu-Jitsu would say this to me. You know, uh, people who do train... There are gyms, bro. It. No, 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 There, there are okay.
1: gyms that... Yeah, okay. There are a few gyms that don't want you to compete. Uh, uh-huh. They look down upon competitors. They look down upon... I mean, it's their thing. It's not right or wrong. But yeah, just right. to come to a point, there are gyms in India which don't want you to compete for whatever yeah. reason. But uh, they look down on They They think it's it's showing off and it's blah, blah, blah. I mean, so I don't I don't agree to it, but uh, it is what mm-hmm. it is.
0: Right. So, uh, you know, we touched upon your sports. You're competing in Jiu-Jitsu. Did you ever compete in boxing, kickboxing or MMA in the past?
1: Yeah. So, in my school, when I got into boxing, the reason why I got into it because uh, boxing was a sport. And we had five houses and each house had to, you know, take part, had to send a fighter in each weight class. So, I've been competing Mm -hmm. in boxing since 12, Mm -hmm. man. Uh, So, every year from 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, all those six years I boxed. uh, I Mm -hmm. lost Mm -hmm. every year, semi-finals or finals, I lost at 12, 13, 14. It's finally in uh, class 12 when I was 18. Mm -hmm. After losing Mm -hmm. for five years, I was finally like, man, I need to stop losing here, it's too much. (laughs) You, you mm-hmm. lose in front of all your friends, all your, you know, juniors, seniors, teachers. I got sick of it and I trained so hard. For a three-month season, I trained for 12 months, man. I didn't, wow. from my class 11 when I lost to the next uh, bout a year later, I trained every single day. And mm-hmm. that's how I won. Mm-hmm. And I think because I trained so hard and lost so much, even after I won in class 12, I still had that momentum. of was like, I'm not stopping. <laughs> right. I'm continuing to train. I never stopped. So, I never stopped mm-hmm. training. I, I think every day... I've trained forever. So I've been competing since 12. I competed in Muay Thai in the UK as well. Uh, okay. But Jiu-Jitsu started competing when I came back to India.
0: Right. Uh, perfect. And uh, one of the things people ask me, and, you know, sometimes it's difficult to, you know, answer them. They're like, you know, you fight, And, you know, mm. when I'm a professional, I do get paid. But back when I was, you know, tr- tr- fighting amateur MMA or even Jiu-Jitsu, that's not how it works, you know. You don't typically get paid. In fact, you pay an entry fee and you go and fight. So, I am not I And people would look at me as if I'm insane. And have you faced that issue as well?
1: Yeah, completely. Uh, there's so many tournaments <laughs> where, uh, even, even right now, when I won the National Championship uh, mm-hmm. I think 10th time, I Sorry. mean, they mm-hmm. I'm winning it for the 10th time, I'm qualifying for the Asian Games, but I'm not getting paid anything for it. Thankfully, they didn't charge anything for it also. But I didn't get mm-hmm. paid anything for it. So mm-hmm. a lot of people will ask, well, how much did you get paid? Yeah, I get paid nothing for uh, winning domestically. But, for example, I compete at the AGP circuit, which is Abu Dhabi Jitsu Pro. And they mm-hmm. have a mm-hmm. yearly calendar. And if you if you rank really well in AGP, you get paid. Uh, right. I recently was approached by Copa de Malaysia. They they invited me to take part in the Brown Belt Invitational. There was cash prize there. But it, mm-hmm. there is a process. Like, you... You can't, you know, when you're just learning the sport, and I think if you're a white belt, blue belt, you're just starting off in the sport. You can't expect to get paid. And we've had a lot of discussions uh, sitting around at, at cross Train and with like other gyms as well. You know, you can't claim, oh, pay me, I'm fighting. No, bro. You're you just starting off. You're still just learning the the basics. You know, if you're, in, if you're playing cricket, you're going to the nets, you're not getting paid, you know, to go and play in the nets or practice matches. So, that's what it is. Unless you go pro and you, you know, if you win the ADCC, you know, you mm-hmm. get paid. You Even in India, you when we run ADCC India, we mm-hmm. give the mm-hmm. best grappler of the tournament cash prizes. We always do that because they deserve to get paid. We're not going to give, you know, someone who's one white belt category where there are two people, we're not going to pay them because, man, right.
0: they're
1: yeah. not the best. That doesn't make sense. And they ha- they're there for the experience. So, you, you fight initially, you, you pay, but obviously, as the sport grows... If we can get good sponsors on board, I think all all the good organisers will be happy to pay fighters more and more. But you can't expect to get paid when, honestly, if you're not good. If you're not good enough, you've not won anything, but you're you're saying, I'm not taking part in this tournament because I won't get paid. Bro, you need to win first. Talk about getting paid after you start winning. You win a bunch of things, doors will open. You don't want to compete on the excuse that I won't get paid, so I'm not competing. man. That doesn't make any sense. Compete put your name out there, Mm -hmm. even if like, you know, if I'm winning these national championships, okay, maybe I'm not getting paid by the organizer, but so many brands approach uh, me wanting to sponsor me or, you know, doors open up. So, Mm -hmm. I'm not so fast about, you know, paying and competing uh, because I know with each win, it opens new doors and new opportunities.
0: Right. Perfect. Uh, You know, just coming back to Jiu-Jitsu and, you know, the Asian games that, uh, you know, uh, going to happen and it is incredible that during our i did not imagine in our lifetime we'll see the sport in the asian games or even in the olympics You know, olympics it's still a long way away but the fact that it's now in the asian game that's a massive achievement for the community uh but the last time i remember the first time it got included in 2018 i believe there was an indian contingent which is supposed to go and for some reason i think believe the visa issues is what was publicly you know, declared. But I really don't know what the issues were. But the contingent never went out there. Uh, how was how it different this time you know, in terms of organizing the team and you know getting things in place to make sure the team actually goes out there?
1: Yeah, I didn't know about the 2018 uh, thing at all. I didn't even
0: know there was an Indian team that was supposed to go. I had no idea. Nobody told me. Okay.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. I was just told that this is the first time an Indian team is being sent. They're doing like, the trials. Mm-hmm. Would you want to take part? And the way it went out is... They invited all the champions from previous years to come and take mm-hmm. part and, and mm-hmm. do these trials. So, it was a invite only and mm-hmm. I got invited because mm-hmm. I won their championship three times, not in the recent right. years. The mm-hmm. last time I won mm-hmm. uh, at their federation was 2018, I think. Okay. Uh, so, they reached mm-hmm. out and because I've been winning at AGP, they were like, okay, mm-hmm. uh, come and try out, see you know if you're as good as the uh, other champions. And yeah, I, right. won, uh, I won all three of my fights, won all three by mm-hmm. submissions. Uh, nice. So yeah, they were like, "Don't, don't, you're in, you're, you're fighting." Um, right. so I didn't know about 2018. I was mm-hmm. told about this one only recently, and right. it's a phenomenal thing. Like, it's, it's, it's sanctioned—not sanctioned, but the Indian Association of uh, jiu is is recognized now by the Indian Olympic uh, Committee. So committee. It, it's the first step. I think if it goes well uh, this time at the Asian Games, who knows? Maybe. Doors open for the Olympics, but uh, I it's, it's a great start. Like I, I like you said, like I know I didn't believe that you two will be in the Asian Games at least in my lifetime, and the fact that I'm going to compete, uh, it's an absolute honor, and uh, can't believe, still can't believe it.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. And, uh, you know, uh, when I was growing up, you know, I'm sure even when you were growing up, uh, the pinnacle of sports, apart from cricket, when you look at, you know, uh, the Olympics, there were any sport which basically uh, get to the Olympics, the Asian Games, the Commonwealth Games, and the medal winners typically would get the Arjuna Award or the Dronacharya Award. Now, when I heard competing MMA Jiu-Jitsu, you know, obviously, uh, none of those things were even accessible to us. We didn't even think about it. But now you're going to the Asian Games. Suddenly, technically, you are eligible for both the Arjuna Award and the Cherry Award as a coach, theoretically. And uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but the fact that, you know, jiu-jitsu athletes are now technically eligible, and if somebody wins one of those prizes, I think it might be a game changer for the game, uh, for, for the sport out there, in my opinion. Uh, I may be jumping the gun, but just me getting excited with the fact that, you know, you guys are going out there, and we are now on the same level as what these Olympic sports are. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that? Or did you even think about on on these lines? Yeah. No, man, I didn't even think about it,
1: and uh, and
0: and I was already
1: under pressure, and now after you said all this, I'm under even more no pressure. Oh, I'm uh, really no.
0: sorry.
1: <laughs> no, no, not at all. But no, it's it, it's just a great uh, it's a great opportunity, and uh, you know, I was speaking to someone earlier today, and mm-hmm. the, the discussion was around how young the sport is in India, and how great. little support we've got. Uh, from the administrators. Generally, if you're competing, for example, our weight classes that the Asians are going to have close to 100 fighters. Uh, so, you know, two, three people from each country. And uh, and most of them, I mean, almost all of them are training either in Brazil or the US or Europe with international coaches training with multiple black belts. And here we are in India with, you know, essentially blue belts training with blue belts. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm always training with like white belts, blue belts and a couple of purple belts. Uh, It's almost unfair, you know, uh, the lack of exposure that our team has got. uh, Because it's still such a new sport in India. So it's going to change. Obviously, uh, I think the reason why people call certain people pioneers or all of that is because they went through these obstacles. And right now in India, it is very difficult to, to compete internationally because we don't have high level... Uh, international coaches, you know, four-degree black belts from Brazil or right. US coming and training us. We are just watching fights, studying them, breaking it down, learning things, teaching to the students for then playing. So it's a lot of work, uh, which which needs to be done to get to the next level. Which if you had a really high-level black belt, mm-hmm. he could just shorten the process and tell you, okay, this is the guard you need to play. These are the sweeps you want to look at. These are the submissions okay. you know. It just fast tracks. The entire process, um, right? But that's the difficulty. Like, we're going for Asians, we're gonna obviously try our best. You know, uh, from cross train, we've got me at 69 kilos. We've got Tarun Yadav, who's uh, who's fighting at 62 kilos, and we have An- Anvisha uh, the first female to make it to uh, the Asian Games. She's fighting at minus 48 kilos. So, mm-hmm. so we've been mm-hmm. brainstorming. We sit down every day and we go through fights. We study fights. We look at techniques. We look at what works in our game, what doesn't work in our game. So, there's a lot of work that goes in. And uh, I mean, we're going to try our best to, you know, do. uh, hopefully win a medal. But Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's very difficult. And it's it's a very difficult tournament. It's a very difficult competition. But we'll try our best. I mean, who knows what happens on the day. But we're going to prepare with everything we've got.
0: No, uh, you know, know, I'll be following your journey throughout. And uh, I think the biggest thing for me today is... uh, You know, I would be inspired by athletes, and you know, there were sports I never even heard of. But if they're in the Olympics or the Asian Games or Commonwealth Games, and Indians are taking part, I would typically try and get a feed because the feed keeps switching sport to sport, right? And when I would see some some sport I didn't know about, I would read up a little bit more about it and get excited. I'm sure a lot of people in India do that. The fact that you guys are competing, you know, no pressure on you, win, lose, whatever. But when you compete on the day, and if you guys come on mainstream TV. Even if one kid gets inspired by you guys and takes up Jiu-Jitsu, I think that's a big win for us. And I think we are on the right path. And, you know, that's that's a massive achievement. And, and I really commend you for, you know, getting us there, to be honest.
1: Yeah, yeah thanks, man. I appreciate it. And, and and then I that's always been the goal. You know, the whole goal for me coming back was to grow the sport in India. Uh, right. It wasn't about the money or the fame or, you know, which, to be honest, isn't there in the sport even now. Uh, yeah. So, it's always been about growing the sport in India, growing it at the grassroots level and if, you know, if Anshul wins, that's a huge boost to the Indian community. Not just to CrossFit Fight Club or to me, For the entire community. Everyone, then there's hope, there's there's a way that if Anshul can make it to the UFC, anyone can. And same mm-hmm. thing with like, Tarun, Anwesha or myself, you know, if, if mm-hmm. we can get, win a medal, put on a good show, that's again, a lot of kids will have to fight a lot less with their parents to convince them to do the sport because right now it's a very very difficult challenge to convince your parents mm. to let you do the sport.
0: Exactly. Right. That that that's exactly right. And uh, coming to the you know the uh, fact that you know you're competing in uh, this is Nivaza, right? And uh, yeah. Every tournament or every promoter who puts an event out there, typically they do these minor tweaks in the rules. And every time you as a competitor have to go out there, you have to you know make sure it's in your mind. Because if you're used to competing in one way or, you know, used to point being awarded in, in, in one way, getting used to the new system is difficult, right? Was it very difficult in this part where, when you were training for the Asian Games? Is it very different from yeah, the other uh, tournaments you mean? Ver-
1: okay. ver- very different. Very different. We generally complete compete, like I said, me, Tarun and Vesha, we compete a lot in the AGP circuit, which is very close mm-hmm. to... Uh, the Asian Championship rule set but it's also it has some differences which I still haven't figured out yet because in my fight the last uh, so there is the Asian Championship earlier this year and I had to fight this guy from Philippines and mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. at the time the fight ended the score was 1-1 we both yeah. had the same number of points and then it went to golden point which is whoever gets the first point point. and in Great. AGP in overtime you can pull guard and uh, you know if you can sweep the guy you you win or if he passes your guard, he wins. So over time, right. he went in, I pulled guard and I lost and I didn't understand why. <laughs> right. And then uh, same thing happened with Tarun's fight. Scores equal, mm-hmm. he goes into overtime, he pulls guard and his uh, opponent is awarded two points and the opponent wins. So we are very confused. We are still trying to figure out uh, the mm-hmm. rule set because the booklet that we got, we thought you can pull guard. Um, right. And in AGP, we lost fights because we did not pull that. So, there's a little confusion happening, but I'm sure as we get closer to the tournament, we'll get more clarity. We have Mm -hmm. asked the association to, you know, put us in touch with one of the referees who can really really talk us through all the small, minor points. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, you're right. There are small, subtle changes and at that level, every small detail uh, can cost you. And it cost me, it cost Tarun in our last tournament and we want to make sure we don't do it again
0: right and uh, the last asian games which happened uh, uae dominated the J- jiu-jitsu scene you know uh, it wasn't by a big margin but you know they were the best country out there uh, do you think that's part of the reason uh, i mean it, is it partly because of the adcc circuit happening out there and you know exposure to so many coaches and athletes or what, what your take um, on that?
1: the scene in uae is i mean phenomenal because because they have jiu-jitsu mandatory in every school you know, wow, all the okay. kids have access to uh, jiu-jitsu training from mm-hmm. when they join school at the early age, they have jiu-jitsu. They have, they've gone out and they've got some of the best coaches from around the world, black belts, to come mm-hmm. and be instructors in schools where they're taught jiu-jitsu at a very young age. So this ha- started happening in like 2010 onwards, where they hired it. And then uh, those kids who started off as, you know, very young, 5 year or six-year-old olds, are now 17, 18 killers because they've been training jiu-jitsu you know, since forever. And uh, and it's starting to show results now. You're starting to see that uh, apart from Brazil and US, I feel mm-hmm. um, because when we go for the world championships in, uh, in Abu Dhabi every year, right. apart from Brazil, you know, nobody is really able to compete with uh, UAE. It's always Brazil comes first and then UAE comes second. And we're talking about the world stage. And wow. in Asia, wow. when UAE stands alone I mean, they've got such good talent um, mm-hmm. such good infrastructure they have tournaments that happen every week in, uh, wow. in UAE so mm-hmm. so that's the reason why the sport has grown so far they have administrators who are who really want to succeed and I think they're the reason why the sport is also in the the Asian games because they've really been pushing it um, right. so yeah, yeah I think again this time UAE will do really well um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because of the infrastructure and that's why I'm really hoping like if one of our guys can do well, maybe our Mm -hmm. government can come Mm -hmm. forth and give us the support that they give other sports. Uh, The support that you get uh, in football or hockey or boxing or wrestling, if you get that kind of support, I promise you, like, next four to eight years, India is going to be on the map as well of international Jiu-Jitsu.
0: Fingers crossed we get that, man. Fingers crossed we get that. (laughs) Um, And hopefully there's no, no politics from the other sports, saying that, you know, why you... Taking athletes because you know typically in combat sports this does happen, uh, and a lot of traditional combat sports don't want the athletes to train uh, jujitsu or even MMA and uh, you know Muay Thai because they believe that they are the best athletes they have out there may shift over to these disciplines. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen, and you know we can just you know be as a sport on our own as jujitsu and be able to you know go ahead. Uh, right. Uh, coming back to you know the formats. Uh, it's fairly simple in the Asian Games. Right? There, there are no belt levels; there are just weight levels, and you know there's a simple rule set. Uh, but you know when you go out competing, there is all sorts of categories. You know, there's uh, it's it's by belt, it's by weight, it's by age as well. They've got masters categories now. Then you got the combat jujitsu, which is coming up uh, massively, especially in the U.S. And there, you know, belts don't matter. Uh, typically, you know, you just turn up and uh, and you know it can if the athletes are, are talented. It can be quite a big show, you know, because there are people who are just used to pulling guard and you know working from there. But when strikes are involved, it suddenly changes the game. Uh, what's your take on this? And do you have a favorite format among all of these?
1: Well, I I can talk about uh, Gi and nogi because again you you got to segregate Gi and nogi because uh, yeah, it's almost like now it's become like two different sports. Uh, right. My favorite mm. format for nogi is the ADCC rule set. I think mm-hmm. ADCC rule set mm-hmm. till today is the most exciting rule set. Uh, For people who don't know what the rule set is, in ADCC, if it's a 10-minute fight, the first five minutes is no points, and the second five minutes, there's points. So it's a mix of both. First five minutes, you can do whatever the hell you feel like. You can pull guard, you Mm -hmm. can take him down, you can wrestle him, try crazy submissions. And the second half, because they want a result, Mm -hmm. second half is points. So you've got Mm -hmm. a mixed strategy Mm -hmm. in there as well. So that's what makes ADCC such a exciting uh, set. um mm-hmm. you know and, and again with with india when we organize adcc in india man the fights are phenomenal i can't take my eyes off it they're so mm-hmm. exciting and you see the talent coming through it's amazing so yeah in nogi i would say that adcc rule set is my favorite and the most exciting um mm-hmm. and with with gi gi rule set is generally pretty linear like uh, ibsjf is probably quite, quite similar to uh, AJP which is quite similar to uh, Sport Jitsu Federation. So they're all yeah. Jitsu ones are pretty much uh, similar in the rule mm-hmm. set, but but yeah, in Nogi it goes a bit crazy because you have the EBI rule set, you have combat Jitsu. Man, I'm not right. a big fan of uh, of e- the E B I rule set because a lot of people stall out an actual fight and just, yeah. they just focus mm-hmm. on overtime. Uh, right. So like if you are in a grappling and if I've just trained to train overtime I'm going to stall hmm. you or keep running away for 10 minutes because I know I have a great back system or a great armbar. But maybe so like, in a real life, I won't be able to take, take your back in a real role. Yeah. So that's why I don't like the EBI rule set so much. Um, mm-hmm. I love the ADCC rule set, I think that's the best. Um, mm-hmm. Combat just so again, I'm not a fan. I'm like, if you want to do MMA, do MMA. Like, <laughs> what's this in the middle? Like, It doesn't make sense. If you okay. want to slap someone in the face, fight MMA, punch him in the <laughs> face. So, I'm not, again, gi, this, do gi. If you're doing no gi, EDCC is the best one. Do MMA. Like, this, I don't want to, like, it. this is confusing for me. <laughs> I, I have it. not watched a single combat two fight. I just can't watch it.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it gets intense. You know, I, I managed to compete in one. And for some reason, they put me in the 205 category, which was, like, a yeah. lot heavier. Uh, boys. not a yeah not a comfortable experience uh you know to say the least uh some of it gets exciting but you're right you know if it goes to overtime you know uh and they put you in those positions you know advantage disadvantage you know it, it, it's a little silly because in one way they said that you know it's it's supposed to simulate a real uh, street fight which is why they said the staps, slaps come in but then you have that overtime rule which doesn't make sense but uh people enjoy watching it because out here especially right people uh, Jiu-Jitsu gets boring for people. They say nothing is exactly. happening. Yeah. Although, there are, yeah. you know, even when you're not moving, you are doing stuff and a person competing knows that. But I think it's from a spectator point of view that combat Jiu-Jitsu is so much, you know... For uh, sure, for sure. I,
1: I think I think Jiu-Jitsu is only watched by competitors and their families. And that's that's pretty much <laughs> exactly. it. So nobody else watches Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> Especially J- Jiu-Jitsu is... Because it's so technical, man. It's so technical. There's so many guards and I remember a couple of our MMA guys were just sitting and watching us roll. And mm-hmm. we were stuck in this one position, 50-50, and we we're trying to feed lapels and making it. And they were just like, coach, what the hell are you guys doing? You've been stuck <laughs> in this position for six minutes. And they thought, why? and they literally said, why don't you just stand up? And I said, oh, you come here. Come here, I'll put you there. I'll feed the lapel. And now you try and stand up. And then you're like, oh, shit, you're stuck. i really stuck. Uh, right. You have all these lapel guards. That are... So, yeah, it's not it's not visually very exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. But from an athlete point of view, when you actually start doing it, you realize, you know, how technical and beautiful it is. So so yeah, spectator point of view for sure. Yeah, EBI rule set, exciting, uh, slapping in the face, super exciting, and which is why I think that the slapping fighting championship or whatever it's called,
0: yeah, power uh, slap, you know, yeah.
1: started, you know yeah. it's, it's exciting. But is it? I don't know, man. I'm, I can't watch it. It's too brutal for me.
0: No, I and mean, that's just asking for concussions, right? I mean, uh, in combat jiu-jitsu, you're still defending yourself there you just yeah. waiting for somebody to slap you and you will end up with a concussion no matter what happens uh, so for sure
1: brain but to damage I think, yeah. yeah i mean
0: uh, yeah who wants?
1: <laughs> a lot of us are now you know i'm not i'm not 21 anymore uh, yes. i don't want to get any brain damage i want to keep right. my brain safe uh, so right. i don't want to get slapped yeah. in the face while i'm trying to do it. So, <laughs> right
0: it makes sense makes sense and uh, is is you know um, One of the uh, eye-openers for me, you know, when I started training and when I started training Jiu-Jitsu, I had nobody to reach out to in Bangalore. Thankfully, I found Rama Reddy and he was opening a new place close to my house and I started training with him. And my intention was to train Jiu-Jitsu for MMA, which is why it was all no-gi. When Sport Jiu-Jitsu India Federation came in, they had the gi competition, right? So I got myself a gi, I started competing and and an eye-opener for me was... After two matches, my fingers didn't work Yeah. because I wasn't used to pulling the lapels and, you know, ma- making use of, you know, the, the other person's, you know, uh, the belt, the lapel, whatever. Uh, has anybody come and told you these things, you know, which may seem very small, but uh, you realize, in, you know, later that because you've been training, you're used to it. But, you know, a common person or a person new to the sport is not used to it at all.
1: Yeah, nobody told me because nobody knew in India. Because nobody had done it before. Like when we started off, I remember I met Rama Reddy in 2014. He uh-huh. reached out and he said, I'm a purple belt." She was a purple belt at the time. And uh, right. I want to teach a seminar. I'm like, yeah, come down, bro. We didn't even do Gi at the time. And uh-huh. uh, and yeah, when we started doing Gi, one of my first tournaments. Uh, and again, we didn't have many training partners. We didn't have much in the Gi. We were basically doing no Gi, wearing a Gi. That's what we were doing okay. when we started off. And yeah. we came back from the tournament. Came back from one of my fights where I really could not feel my forearms, like forearms <laughs> yeah. were wrecked. And I was, and I trained really hard for that camp. I trained very hard, and I couldn't feel my forearms. This is in the UK, and right. my fingers were just like I felt like I got arthritis on my fingers. Like, <laughs> <80s> on my <laughs> yeah. fingers. I couldn't believe it. So then I started speaking to the black belts there, uh, and I said, listen, what is, is this normal? Like, what's happening? And they were like, yeah, if you train in the key, uh, and no, it's not even like. It gets better. It never gets better because, mm-hmm. you know, at once you get used to the grips, grips at, uh, at, at blue belt, in competition, purple belt is a different level. You're going to get gassed right. again. Your forearms are going to die. fingers are going to die. Uh, right. You get used yeah. to it at purple belt, you enter brown belt, and fuck, those killers are like, <laughs> you get exhausted and dead. But what helped me out a little bit was, you know, I, I managed to tie up with this uh, one brand called Gorilla Rules. Uh, mm-hmm. They are my mm-hmm. uh, sponsors as well. So, they gave me these finger tapes, which are my life savers, like you will <laughs> not see me roll without finger tapes because if you're training Ghee five days, six days a week, twice mm-hmm. a day, your fingers are going to take a beating and you need something to take care of them. Like I'm not, like I said, I'm not 21, so I my okay. body does not heal and recover as quickly as it used to. So, I need right. all the help I can and I mm-hmm. tape those, I tape these fingers tight with gorilla rolls uh, every day. And that's the reason why I'm still uh, I can still re- write and type and all of that.
0: <laughs> nice. So you know, if, if somebody's starting jiu-jitsu, you know, what are the must-have kits for them in their gym bag or duffel bag? As per you.
1: Uh, if you're starting off jiu-jitsu, I am a strong proponent of doing the gi. So you should get a gi for yourself to start off with. Um, you know, if you're doing no gi, rash guard is an absolute must. You need to stop training in t-shirts here. Because yeah. t-shirts, firstly in the middle of the roll, the t-shirt comes up and now someone's head is stuck in your hairy stomach. You know, it's not fun for anyone. Um, right. So please mm-hmm. wear a rash guard, everyone. Please wear a ghee, just basics. Uh, not a kit, but it's, it's a bit of a thing that please use a deodorant before class. Uh, please <laughs> yeah. cut your nails. Uh, just like basic hygiene. Uh, mm-hmm. Very important because in India, people don't they don't know. They'll just wear a t-shirt and come for class. They won't shower. They'll wear dirty clothes. You know, right. you're not the one suffering with your mm. body odor. It's your partner who's suffering. So, please think about your partner. Don't scratch. <laughs> you know, if you're long kids, when you try to grab his hand, you're actually scratching him. And then he has to go home and answer to his parents or his girlfriend why he's got scratch marks all over his <laughs> neck. Uh, right. You know, it's, it can be dangerous for them. Um, and then, and, and yeah, if you're, you know, if you're scared of getting uh, hurt, you know, uh, gum shield is a good one to go for. Generally, mm-hmm. they don't recommend mm-hmm. wearing a groin guard when you're doing Jiu-Jitsu right. because you can break someone's arm very easily with an armbar. So, uh, gum shield avoid. Mm-hmm. If you're doing wrestling, you can probably wear it. But for BJJ, mm-hmm. you should not. But that's pretty much it, man. These are just basics. You know, finger rolls are very good. If your fingers are doing gi, you know, you don't want to get it broken. So, you can uh, you can have that. Uh, if you're going mm-hmm. for a tournament and you've got... This is a tip I, I give to all our students. If you're going for a tournament and you have an injured wrist, mm-hmm. please don't tape it up. Because as soon as you tape it up, your opponent knows what to go for. Right. If you're going to tape it up, tape both, you know, so he doesn't know which one to go after. Um, right. So, yeah, yeah. there's just, just small things you should keep in mind. Uh, just basic basic, basic things. Like it's nothing complicated. Uh, get a good gi. I mean, that's what I would say. Get a good gi. It's going to last you a really long time. Um, a good rash guard. Shorts without pockets. Just basic things you should you should have.
0: Right. So in talking about ghee, right, when I got my first gi, you know, Ivan uh, Thomasetti, he had his uh, you know, a brand and he was based out of Delhi at that time and I had no idea and I got his gi which I did not realize was not a competition gi, it was a training gi. So the first tournament I went to, they didn't notice, they let me compete. The next tournament, they are like, you don't oh, you compete
1: rip, in this. Oh, that was a ripstop material. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, so for the people out there, you know, could you just, you know, uh, give them a very, you know, easy way to figure out what gi to buy and how to buy
1: it? Don't buy a karate gi to start with. <laughs> you know, you go to Amazon, you look at the cheapest 1,500 rupee gi. If, you, if that's what it costs, it's probably the wrong one. Uh, you need to get a jiu-jitsu gi, which is generally made of cotton. Um, you know, with maybe some polyester in it, but generally, if it's, if it's got any sort of ripstop material, it's got a lot of polyester in it, uh, avoid it. You know, generally, there are some brands in India that are making it, but in my experience, generally, I use Fight Aesthetic, which is mm-hmm. which is a brand. Uh, it's an Asian brand. And recently, they signed uh, Nicholas Merigali, one of the best doctors in the world. You know, if I'm ever wearing a ghee, I always wear Fight Aesthetic ghee because they are best. Best for India. You don't want a ghee which is too thick. You know, European gis or they're so thick, it becomes so hot, you want to die. Uh, okay. so fight aesthetic is good because they make geese which are just perfect for our weather they're not too uh, they're not too thick you can breathe in it you can survive in it and they are very good quality they last you like 8 9 years easy i have the first gee they gave sent to me was 2014 i still have it i still use it uh, so yeah if i had to recommend one brand just just go get them if you got anyone coming from malaysia singapore uh, or if you want to just you know get in touch with me or anyone from cross they they'll help you get uh, fight aesthetic gee uh, just get because again you don't want to spend five thousand on a gi, in local manufacturer and in in one year it tears off. Now you've right. got to find another new gi. It's happened so many times where you know someone buys a local gi and the gi pant comes, gi pant goes first always. <laughs> um, yeah. it, and now you've got to now now you've got sambo uniform happening. You've just got the top. You don't have a bottom. Uh, right. Starts to look very funny. So right. so yeah, get a good brand. Fight aesthetic aesthetic is good. In India, you've mm-hmm. got 411 fightwear. They they're doing a good job as well with with geese. So you can right. probably reach out to them if you want an Indian gee. But fight aesthetic is hands down the best I've ever used.
0: Nice nice, and um, just l- last thing, you know I wanted to ask: Do you have a lot of female athletes training at uh, at your club, Jiu-Jitsu at least?
1: Um we've got around uh, around 10 to 12 uh, athletes currently training at cross
0: mm.
1: i wish the number was higher but cross chain at the moment is, is 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 a is a place where it's more mma oriented uh, hey. so a lot of people have moved from their dif- respective cities to delhi to train at cross chain so hey. people from like northeast people from like South India, from Bombay, Bangalore, they've all moved to Delhi to train with us. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's led to a weird... Like our academy was never like this. It's just fighters, 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 fighters. So it has scared off some of the casuals, uh, casual Mm -hmm. Delhi people Mm -hmm. and girls included. They're like, they come in and they see like so much testosterone and they see like so many fighters, it scares them a little bit. But now I think Mm -hmm. even the girls who have stuck on uh, Mm -hmm. like is competing Mm -hmm. in the Asian Championship, we have Anandita, who's, be, who's been training with us for a while. So, these right. girls have been around and uh, now they can tap out, you know, some real tough guys. That's The girls who stick on in this environment, become real mm. badasses. So, the right. girls who stuck on have become really good. So, we've got 10, 12, but each of them is a handful to roll with. Like they're killers.
0: Right. And, uh, you know, one of the mentalities, you know, I, I faced, you know, a uh, challenges I faced when I was talking to women who, who want to enter the sport, Jiu-Jitsu, Number one is is a very obviously all combat sports are physical, but in this case, you know, you get into very awkward positions, and at the end of the role, you are drenched in sweat, and it's not just your sweat; it's everybody else you rolled with it as well, right? And that puts a lot of you know casual uh, you know women who want to train casually, it puts them off. How do you deal with that
1: typically? I think it's very important to look after your new members. So if any new girl is coming into training, I can very safely put them in a roll with our purple belts. Um, right. I'll mm-hmm. roll with them or a high-level blue belt will roll with them because they know how to roll with someone safely uh, mm-hmm. and they also know how to put the other person at ease. Right. I would not send them on a roll with an MMA crazy guy who's been training for three months. Right. That's the quickest mm-hmm. way of losing, uh, you know, training partners and women from training. So, every mm-hmm. time... I've had to uh, roll with a new new girl or uh, you know, a new member in general. It's always been very comfortable you know, because we know how to roll and what positions to set them in. Um, yeah. And you put them in ease, yeah. you let them know exactly what the goals are, what the objectives are. Uh, positional rolling really helps when you're confined to a specific position. For example, you can start a roll uh, from the back position where they're trying to strangle you. They know how to strangle because you've taught them in the class. And they just work one Mm -hmm. position so it's not awkward or odd at all it's just when Mm -hmm. they don't know what the hell is going on and then they find themselves on Mm -hmm. the back with you know a sweaty man on top that's when Mm -hmm. they don't know what's happening so it's very important to initially uh, make them understand the fundamentals so at cross train we've got these fundamental classes which happen and Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the girls have to spend like two to three months initially just doing fundamentals where they can't roll not allowed Mm -hmm. to roll at most after a month, we'll let them do uh, positional training, but no full sparring. They don't get to train with like fighters or anyone. So, okay. once they start understanding positions, they start seeing openings, they understand leverage, they understand where they should be, then we can let them do open sparring. You let girls okay. into open sparring from day one against crazy people, obviously, they're not going to stick on.
0: Absolutely right. Perfect. You know, I didn't realize we knew we already we already fifty three minutes in. <laughs> I don't want to take much of your Friday evening, but you know, before we conclude, you know, anything you want to share with the audience out there, anything about the sport, about you know, anything you want to just give out as pearls of wisdom. Uh,
1: pearls of wisdom. I don't know. I don't know. I think <laughs> I think it's 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 been. Uh, I can see that the last eleven years uh, that have been that have gone into uh, you know growing the sport in India it's been a challenging ride uh, and uh, somebody asked me last week in training would, you, would i do it again uh, and oftentimes it's it's you know i would say no because uh, it's been so difficult i don't want to do it all over again gone from the from the dark days where you know it was very difficult like putting in all your life savings into a business which you know people didn't believe in you lost a lot of money i made a lot of losses blah 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 uh, so it was a very difficult journey but then there are days where you get recognized and and some young kid comes in and he says later on that i'm now doing mma because of you guys and what uh, you've managed to create and those days you feel like you know the the sacrifice uh, has been worth it so so yeah for anyone like if you're really passionate about something man try it and uh, who knows man maybe it'll take you to to great things and i never thought in my life That I'll be representing India, uh, you know, at the Asian Games. I never thought, especially because I was a boxer and I knew how, you know, how if you're, you know, once you're 18, 19, 20, it becomes almost impossible to represent India in boxing. So, to be, you know, in my 30s and representing India at the Asian Games, it just feels like a blessing. Uh, So, I'm very excited and anyone who wants to try it, I, I would strongly recommend trying combat sports. I think it's amongst all the sports I've played, and I've played a lot. Uh, combat sports are the most fun, and I think they change you as a person. They change your DNA. You start to see things differently. You start to understand what it means to be a man. If you are a man, uh, I think uh, you know. We, we we've evolved from uh, you know killing tigers and surviving. That's how what that's what men were. Uh, you know, <laughs> they, it, back in the day. And now a lot of the men are lost because they don't know their purpose because they are no more tigers to hunt down. There's no more <laughs> defending Okay, So they lose, they lose purpose. So that's why I think combat sports comes in and it's so helpful for uh, mental health and for general overall health uh, of men because now they have a purpose. Now they get to fight again. Now they get to be warriors again. And uh, so, yeah, I would strongly recommend anyone from anywhere in the world uh if you want to try something new, you want to try a new sport, and you might feel like, oh, I'm too old, because that's what you get in India, No, you're too old now, you know, you're know, right. too old to right. play a sport, you're know, too old to do blah, 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 you're never too old, man. I mean, with right. combat sports, right. with Jiu-Jitsu, you can do this at any age. Uh, yeah. You must have seen it in mm. the US, you know, when you, these IBGF <laughs> yeah, tournaments, you've got like Masters 8 happening, people who <laughs> right. are 60-year-old right. strangling right. each other, so there's no <laughs> age for this, you can do this at any age.
0: Right. Perfect. Great. I mean, I could not have said it better myself, you know. Thank you for that. And uh, best of luck for your campaign in the Asian Games. I will be rooting for you personally, and I'll try to get to catch a feed whenever I can out here. And uh, I hope you guys come back with a medal or two. But even if you don't, you know, you, you guys have already made us proud by, you know, representing India out there. So best of luck. And Kevin Alfred David is on the stream. He's saying all the best as well. He's called you the best person to talk about this sport. So <laughs> Sorry, who's that? Kevin Alfred David. He's one of the best. Oh, wow. In okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I'm he's a big on the fan stream. of his work. <laughs> So yeah. So shout out to Kevin as well. Thanks for joining in. And yeah, that's it for today. And thank you, Siddharth, for giving us the time. And uh, thanks, everybody, for joining in. Uh, we'll catch you on the next episode uh, of Beyond the Gloves next week.